So we rocked on down to Electric Avenue, and then we made it damper. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. <laughs> Welcome to episode 461 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harris. I'm glad you could join us as ever. And we're going to play catch up on Formula E because it was the season nine title deciding double header in the Excel Center in London this past weekend. Genuinely gutted I couldn't make it down this weekend because I know there was a lot of a lot of friends of the show, a lot of cool people that are around, and uh, sadly I couldn't quite make it because I had commitments to WTF. Yeah, that's like a one good thing about having this event in London for the sake of it being in London is just like, oh, everybody's around. We could socialize together and take yeah, in every- some Formula E of varying quality. Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of friends who listen to the show that, you know, were looking forward to me potentially being there, even for a meetup. Shout out to Sarah, shout out to Sarah Habit, shout out to Katie, shout out to Hazel, shout out to Southwell as ever, shout out to Dottie as well. But I couldn't end up seeing you guys. Um, I just got caught up with a lot of work stuff leading into the Belgian Grand Prix weekend. I was gutted about that. But we're going to catch up a little bit on Formula E. We didn't do an episode on Rome, and the reason why we didn't is that we couldn't really justify sitting down for 40 minutes and talking about a weekend where not much actually happened besides, well, I'll get to what happened in Rome that was worth talking about shortly. But we'll talk about the doubleheader in London, the fact that Jake Dennis is your new Formula E world champion. That's Uh, right! No more struggles! Only sunshine! We fucking did it. We didn't do it in the teams, but we did it in the fucking drivers. Are you you trying to claim this one? Well, given that none of our preseason picks came anywhere close to the title. We're not good at predicting Formula E, or maybe Formula E is just naturally unpredictable. I'll get it. Yeah, shout out to our reserve presenter and great friend, Sasha Garlic, who will be filling in for us on some occasions going forward, by the way. I'm um, looking forward to seeing uh, to seeing them on the show more more frequently. Um, Sasha took what was going to be my homer pick of picking a Mitch Evans Jaguar double, and he was actually closest. Um, he stole Dude. my soul and my picks, and he ended up... Like, why didn't I just go with my gut? I would have been the least humiliating option. Dude, we all got Stellantis pilled. <laughs> Massively. That's RJ O'Connell. He's joining us as, as ever um, on this one. We'll be talking about him. We'll be talking about Envision, who shithoused their way to the team's title despite almost making a complete hordix of this. And I don't care what you tell me, Buckley. If you're trying... Uh, like, you don't get to claim Jake Dennis in the same way that I'm not getting to claim a Jaguar powertrain won the, te- won the team's title. We're not doing this. No, because you are not on the Jaguar train. You are on the Mitch Evans train. I will fight you where you stand, Mr. I'm apparently now pro you, you will, You will fight right, me where right, you stand, right, hold up, hold up, hold and up. you will be wrong. Outside immediately. Bring it. Bring it. BFG nine thousand. Yo, let's settle just, this like. Yo, let's settle this like Crawford and Spence did. Oh, oh, with, with, with somebody on the floor unconscious. Multiple pipe wrench. Pipe wrenches aren't legal in boxing. Right. Right. We'll we'll cover Probably for that. A good reason. That's that's Cam Buckley. We'll evaluate Porsche's post mortem at the end of this as well. But hey, at least they're staying, so that's cool, right? Yeah, uh, yeah we got commitment. I guess. 
Yay, we'll talk about some of the dodgiest stewarding calls I've ever seen in this series, um, which are absolutely worthy of talking about and not the best way for either. And some of the silly season talk calls we actually now have a pretty good idea of what next year's Formula E grid is going to look like. There's only a couple of seats left now anyway, but there was some more action um, that's been widely reported that's worth talking about. So we'll get to that uh, towards the end of the show as well. But basically, you can find us real quick. You're on motorsport101.com uh, if you want to see all of our episodes on there, as well as some bonus written content. If you want some extra thoughts from me on the Formula 1 Belgian Grand Prix this past weekend, that's up on there. If you want to follow us on social media, you can at motorsport101. Uh, and you can follow us personally as hosts, Dre underscore WTF1 at CBuckley917 and at RJ O'Connell. You can follow us on Instagram at Motorsport101Pod. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. Early access through August will be just a dollar a month to get episodes early in your grills and inboxes. Um, it's a summer break, so we're making a break for you in your wallets too, because that's the nice thing to do so we'll be at early access will be for every patreon backer regardless of amount because one dollar is the minimum so uh yeah check it out why not now's the best possible time so, you know open your wallets this summer that'll be pretty cool to see so without further ado let's play catch up and how we got to this point yeah for the formula e london doubleheader decider <sighs> so would you like for me to tell us how we got here sure why not Uh, if you missed in a row, Mitch Evans dominated race one and took maximum points, comfortably winning that race over Nick Cassidy and Maxi Gunther. With that win, it made it a 17-point top four fight for the title with three races to go. Second race in Rome and, of course, the double header in London, which we'll talk about. We also had the biggest wreck in Formula E history, an enormous 10-car wreck down the backstretch with only 13 cars finishing the race. And that leads us to race two, where Mitch Evans enact Rule 34, putting himself out of the race and title extension again. Jake Dennis dominated from pole for maximum points out of Norman Nato and Sam Bird up, best show on television giving himself a 24-point lead after Cassidy failed to score and Pascal Veriline could not pass some effing cars. Again. And that leads us to race one in London, Dre. It does lead us to race one in London. And uh, yeah, wow. So Jake Dennis has basically got one hand on the championship. If he outscores championship runner-up Nick Cassidy by five, he ends up as champion on the count back automatically. But in race one in London... The dam of Formula E's incredible weirdness burst. I like how open. it's spelled damn D-A-M-N. Like, I just think that's that's perfect. Yeah, I, 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 that was intentional. Um, Envision was leading at the start of the race. They were one and two. Um, the plan was coming to fruition perfectly. Cassidy was leading. Um, Sebastian Wemmy was backing the wagon up and slowing the field down and not letting anybody pass him. Cassidy at one point was, I think, three seconds in front. But uh, the field got bunched back together again. Um, Envision got punched up a little bit in that ensuing melee in the normal nature of London XL Centre Formula E racing because it turned into a bit of a bar fight. Now... They're fighting for a spot on the podium with Jake Dennis. Like, like Wemmy was backing the wagon up to try and help Cassidy get past. During said fight, 
Wemmy swipes across the front of Nick Cassidy's car in the chicane comics before they go outside. The damage on Cassidy's car is terminal. It eventually puts him out of the race. Um, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose in Envision, thinking, what have we just done? It essentially, for all intents and purposes, eliminates Nick Cassidy from title contention. Dude, it was so funny. I, I watched that first race, and like the camera crew is obviously trying to get like some reaction for like, Cassidy talking with his team because like, hey, teammates collided. You want some? Nick Cassidy pushes the camera crew away, not once but twice. And twice. I get it, I get it. But also, it's just like this is probably the closest thing I've seen to a Formula E driver punching out another photographer. And if there wasn't a team rep from Envision standing in between them, we probably would have gotten it. Oh yeah, they, they, we were easy. like half a step away from hands being thrown. Oh yeah, Cassidy was absolutely seething, and it's not the first time Cassidy's lost his lost his rag his rag at Buemi this season. Maybe not quite so justified in this case. We'll get into that later on in a minute, but uh, yeah. So Envision's master plan goes completely kaput. Um, then we had two red flags, which took an an, an extra. Thirty plus minutes to settle. Um, the first one being Sasha Fenestras uh, enacting Rule Thirty Four on Sergio Sete Camera's uh, Neo car and going straight into the attack mode hairpin wall. Nasty accident. Thankfully, everybody was okay, um, but it, it did take them about half an hour to fix the Tech Pro barrier that Fenestras had gone into. Um, it was a like I said, it was a big. Uh, they had to get the tractor out to pull the wall back into place, um, which was quite uh, quite a visual image to say the least. And then there was another red flag with two laps to go of regulation time because. Uh, Norman Nato tried to sh tried to shoot the gap up the hill into the uh, XL Center hairpin. Um, Bremi kind of closed the door on him. They both hit each other at the apex. It blocks off the, the, the almost the entirety of the track, and we have a fourteen car pileup um, going into the penultimate. And there's thousands and thousands of dollars in damage. I think we're in the millions. I think we've hit the millions with these cars. I think so. Um, yeah, th there's nothing that hits in motorsport like crack quite like mm. a millions and millions and millions of dollars of damage moment a good pack watch moment right there if you're a formula e fan out there or just like chaos in general they, they eventually cleared up the traffic and uh with uh two uh, with with they had they added one lap on the end in added time to go with the one lap of green flag racing that was left in the race um after that and to be fair i'll give scott elkins his credit on this one he did do a very good job of reshuffling that order back around because it was messy because three cars are already significant yeah that's a man that deserves a, a, a vacation like not yes. in like a condescending way but just like damn you've earned a rest dude scott elkins has been through it this year in formula e to say the least um after all of that they resettled the order because like three cars had already started a new lap behind the Buemi incident um what's well, so they cleaned that up and got the running order right again after all that bullshit eventually they got it going again there was no real further action further on in the field because Buemi had basically lost his second attack mode because of that red flag and after it was all said and done mitch evans won the race from sixth Bruh. Um, but none of it mattered because Jake Dennis would come home in, well, eventually second after the uh, the imminent dis effective disqualification of Antonio Felix da Costa, who was running second on the on the road before getting a. I'm uh, checking my notes here. Four minute time penalty. Three minute. 
three minute a, a three minute time penalty for um exceedingly low tire pressures i'll get into the reason why in a minute Pro i promise you it becomes important later Jake Dennis finishes second over the line to win the Formula E World Championship for 2023. The struggle is over. We can retire the Dennis Struggles Twitter uh, Instagram account. Jake Dennis collects what probably should have been his two years ago and wins the Formula E World Championship. Now, that was a cool moment. And look, we like Jake Dennis on this show. He's one of the good dudes. We He's an incredibly likable lad and, um, you know, very funny to, to listen to as well. I've, I've heard many reports about how he's a stand-up dude. Oh, yeah. Delighted for Jake. Um, and uh, well done, Nem. Well done, Andretti. That is a team that's been here from the very start. They've had a lot of um, turbulence. Upheaval. A lot of upheaval. They lost BMW a couple of years ago. It's been a messy bitch of a team for some time, and they've got a world title to take home, which is a phenomenal achievement for them. Um, and the first world title won on a Porsche powertrain, which is also got to be worth something, right, Cam? Right? Yay. He's, if, he's I speak, if I speak on the state of that penalty, I'll be suspended six months. Right. Um, we'll, we'll quickly clean up race two, and then we'll get into the other dialogue about what, what about this episode because uh, we've got some get to get through. And honestly, we're getting through this quick because race two, virtually nothing happened. It was Formula E's highlight package was like one minute of the race. Yeah, yeah it was a lot of. Uh, so let, let let's set the stage here because I actually did see race two, mm. where it was soggy, and it got so soggy that. They couldn't decide whether to start the race or not. They ran a few laps behind safety car. They actually got to the point where they started queuing up the grid and then walked it back and went back under safety car only to throw a red flag. Right. Yeah, so eventually the rain delay took 90 minutes to settle. Um, Formula E does have similar event rules to Formula One. There is a three hour hard limit time wise to constitute a Grand Prix from the original set starter time. Shout out to James Barkley who explained this on TV because James Barkley, again, one of the good ones out there. Um, mm. He explained to the audience at home that, yeah, there was, there's a three hour hard time limit for a Formula E race from the start of the scheduled time. Um, they, they got the whole race in. Don't worry about that. So there was plenty of time. It was It's either three hours as a hard limit for the scheduled start or sundown, whatever comes first. Now, sunset in the UK was like half past eight, so that was never really an issue. But there was a little bit of fear that they might not get a race on at all. They eventually did after it finally stopped raining after, an, like I said, a 90-minute rain delay. And, um, well, nothing happened in race two. Uh, I'm going to be real with you. There was very little to report, very little overtakes. Nick Cassidy completely dominated this race from start to finish from pole position. Um, Cassidy dominated. Very processional. The only person in his postcode was Mitch Evans, who took a valiant second to close out a solid um, but ultimately unspectacular year in third in the championship. Cassidy took the runners-up spot by finishing second over the line with Jake Dennis probably slightly hungover in third, which, by the way, his 11th podium finish in Formula E in 16 starts this year. Incredible run of form from Jake Dennis all year long. So with that and the fact that Bwemi was ahead of Sam Bird on track and the way the points all shook out, 
Envision Racing took the team's title over the Jaguar factory team in the end in a Jaguar powertrain 1-2. And Envision, again, another team who's been here from the very start of Formula E from season one when they were virgin and their cars were purple and silver and Sam Bird was the mascot of that team. From day one, Envision wins the team's title. So good for them. Good for Sylvain Felipe and another one of the good dudes in, in FE who's one of the few people out there that genuinely gives a shit about former sustainability. Their duty. Running theme. Yeah. Running theme. The customers beating the factories. Yeah. The two customer powertrain teams beat their factory brethren in order to win both titles in the end um so congrats to, to Felipe and the entire envision team congrats to them congrats to jake dennis of course as well for becoming world champion let's break it all down first and foremost let's talk about jake dennis first obviously and congrats to jake and like i said an incredible season i think i think it's fair to say the best man won in the end here right love to see this yeah. for for a guy that has bounced around a lot because you can find photos of Jake Dennis sharing podiums in Formula 3, old Formula 3, back when Formula 3 was not just a rebranded GP3. But back in the day, he was sharing podiums with guys like Felix Rosenquist and multi-time Formula 1 Grand Prix winner Charles Leclerc and 24 Hours of Le Mans winner Antonio Giovinazzi. But for Dennis, it didn't work out. Yes, he's test-driven a Red Bull Honda. That's It's not quite the same. He bounces into sports cars. Jake Dennis, of course, will probably go down as one of the few world champions with a win in the China GT Championship on his resume. Ni hao. Cam, you remember <laughs> that uh, that Matt Campbell pass of the inside of Bathurst from 2019? Yes, fondly. That was Jake Dennis guy. on the re- that was Jake Dennis on the receiving end of that. Jake Dennis goes on to drive the most awful of DTM Super Silhouettes and grains and scratches and claws for whatever he can driving the Aston Martin Vantage GTM. I say also say like back when Dennis was first picked up in Formula E, it kind of seemed like an out of left field's uh, pick, mm. was it not? I didn't know who Jake Dennis was when he got the job in that team. Like, I just genuinely didn't. I'm not that. I don't claim to be an oracle of motorsport knowledge. I had no idea who Jake Dennis was, and I was like, by the end of the season, I was like, damn, that boy, nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that that boy, indeed, nice. I mean, yeah, he's been solid pretty much everywhere he's ever been, and of course, we didn't know what the future of Andretti was going to be, mm. uh, having in the wake of BMW's exit as a factory enterprise. Um, and it's safe to say they landed on their feet. Well, at least one car did. Well, look, um, I've and said Dennis it before. has been mm. bulletproof this year. I've, I've said it before. Dennis should have won this title two years ago. Man, could you imagine in that final that final race in Berlin, everybody just buckles under the pressure. It was Dennis's to lose, and then his car failed and sent him into the wall halfway through a race where, at the time, mathematically, he had won the championship. And this was yeah. after Mitch Evans' car fails on the line and gets driven into by Edo Mortara, breaking a bone in his back. Um, it was brutal. That, that race was that, that. That entire season deserves to be put in the Smithsonian for how messy a motorsport series finale can get. Dennis should have been champion two years ago. The potential was always there uh, with him, in my opinion. He's he's been 
outstanding in this series from day one um and this was a year where yeah there was a there was a there was a patchy spot in the middle of that season where i was worried about dennis he had four non-scores in a row and i was genuinely concerned that he it was slipping out of his hands but got back on the wagon racked up podiums put pressure on everybody around him in the championship fight like mitch evans and nick cassidy the two new zealanders that have been trading and throwing punches all year long between jaguar and porsche pascal verlein obviously being in there as well for a good chunk of the year mm. and dennis came in and basically stole both their lunch money at the end because he closed out the year with like it was the most consistent driver i mean yeah from from, from piles from, of podiums from uh, he, he didn't finish race one in berlin after he was plowed into by the costa after that race, he didn't finish in a formidable race lower than fourth. Every other race was on the podium. Man. Oh, stupid good form. He didn't give his opponents a room, like, room to breathe. Cassidy tripped up over his own feet towards the end of the season. So did Mitch. So did Verline, who didn't even get into the top five after his win in Jakarta race one or to close Man. out the year. Pascal Verline qualify the fucking car challenge beyond human comprehension <laughs> police called um uh, <laughs> mostly because yeah, on the pizza it, uh, 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 god yeah i mean dennis was the perfect mix of i mean weirdly other than those four non-scores he pretty much spent the whole season on the podium he did is this, is yeah, this he, one of the better in, is this one of the better individual seasons for an f1 cha- fe champion in recent memory oh definitely given 100 like, we've only I mean. we've only been on a, a legitimate qualifying format for what two seasons now yeah um because i don't call what we used to have a legitimate qualifying format because it was just designed to mix up the grid and punish people for doing well yes um he was excellent this year like the the most the the biggest criticism you could possibly give him is that in that stretch of non-scores he was getting himself into trouble on occasion right but that's a hell of a lot less than you can say for mitch and cassidy who had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows down the stretch right and just ironing out i mean formula e is a game where consistency matters quite possibly more than any other major series we cover on here because it can it can get so messy and so chaotic and the best teams and the worst teams in the field are maybe only covered by a couple of seconds it there really isn't much in in the formula e field you know we've even saw it this year and this was like the least messy formula e for competitive balance seasons we've had in some time and we had multiple dudes like, mixing it up for wins all year long and you know we had porsche in there we had envision andretti we had jaguar feature hell the first race of the season had a mahindra on the podium like and you remember that it, it never got better for you off of that early <laughs> days of tech of new tech regulations always throw up some insanity but down the stretch it turned into a Porsche, Porsche powertrain and Jaguar powertrain slugfest between the four teams. Really, absolutely, it was a, it was a hot mess. And in the end, Dennis being ultra consistent, not giving his his opponents anything to work with in terms of consistency, and always being in the right place at the right time. I mean, look, let's put it to you this way: look how close Mitch Evans' car got to hitting Jake Dennis in race two in Rome. 
Could you, it's it's a very different championship fight if he hits Dennis's car in a race he would go on to win and take all 29 points out of. Sometimes yep. it pays to be in the right place at the right time, and Jake Dennis was in the right place at the right time pretty much all season long, especially in the back half. Well-deserved, Jake. Your struggle is over. Congratulations, big man. You've done it. Delighted for him. China GT championship legend, Jake Dennis. We have to talk about Envision. They're the team champions. Everything went well, right? Oh. They just about got there in the end, but it wasn't without some bad blood, by the, by the, the impression that I get. What the hell was going... Like, honestly, here's the thing, right? I think people were very quick to blame Sebastian Bremi when it first happened, assuming that Bremi didn't just roll over and get out of the way. You watch the onboard. Bremi doesn't really do much wrong. Yeah. I get that Sebastian Buemi is temperamental and gets no benefit of the doubt because of this, but, like, I don't know what else he was supposed to do there. I'll be real. It's just one of those shitty racing deals. And... He's put into a spot. The the way they put their cars into that spot was kind of begging for trouble. Mm -hmm. And they got trouble. I, I, I think it's a combination of Nick Cassidy being overly impatient. Um, I know he did a lot of interviews saying that he was too kind regarding Buemi. I disagree. I think going trying to go the long way around the outside on your teammates is, if anything, asking for trouble, first and foremost, especially in Formula E, which is a very tight quarters, close quarters series. Felipe, and he's gotten away with it now because he ended up winning the team's title anyway. Why the hell didn't you tell your man to pull over? When he yes. said at post-race, he was more than prepared to step aside for Cassidy. He had no problem paying the team game. And he was in the first half of that race. I haven't got any reason to disbelieve him on that. He was back in the field up early doors for Cassidy to try and break the field. Like, he was prepared to play the team game to help Cassidy win the title. So... I don't know. How, how did it... like? I, I don't know why a, a more firm team order wasn't given because it's not like Bremi was was playing hardball on purpose about it. Or have, or have I lost my mind here? Again, please tell me. I, I, I don't think you've lost your mind. I, n- n- not over this, certainly. No. Um, yeah, it's just... Indecisiveness in the clutch. Yes. Is the best way I could describe it. They just... You had what seemed like the obvious decision to make, given the state of the championship, and you got cold feet. And it blew up in your entire team's face, and somehow you got away with it because you still won the team's title. They got away with it. Common success, baby. Common success by having like two cars hit each other. Yeah, like it's... it's, The ends did eventually justify the means, even if this was absolutely not the plan. Let me make that absolutely clear here. Um, there, are cheaper this, ways to, there are cheaper ways to accomplish this. Cheaper, far less angry, far less heated, and Cassidy told his old team to fuck off anyway because obviously he's heading to Jaguar next year. That was that was confirmed a little while ago. Yeah, that was sorted anyway. Yeah, so that that was funny uh, more than anything else. Even the Cassidy, the, like that's the angriest I've never I've ever seen a New Zealander ever um, during during that uh, 
post-race scrum in the back of the Envision garage, which I thought was quite Someone funny. Someone needs to watch more supercars. Um, <laughs> but uh, clearly, I missed something <laughs> on that. Um, but uh, I did not get the memo. I will, I will, I will atone for my sin in future. Um, but we also got to talk, uh, and we're going to go to our Porsche um, correspondent here, Mr. Cameron Buckley. The Porsche post mortem. Well, look, you won the driver's title with Jake Dennis. That's a plus. And uh-huh. it turns out you guys are staying. Like this was announced before you headed into London that um, you know you are sticking around for for the at least the rest of this generation of car, which is I think another three seasons by the looks of it. So that's good. Like, like how do you feel as a Porsche man about the way this year's played out? Because look, say what you will. I think again, I'm right in saying, without question, this was Porsche's best year in Formula E to date. Oh, that that ain't up for debate. Yeah, like, um, and, and there, I, I, I think it's fair to say there's genuine positives to take away from this year, right? Uh, lots. It's just as follows: Jake Dennis, protect him with your life. Andre Lauderer. The fuck out! Get the fuck out of my manufacturer. <laughs> He's done, hey man. He was not the problem with the team at Lamar. You know that. Oh uh, yeah, he was merely slow rather than slow and unreliable. It's a plus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Pascal, learn how to qualify the car. Antonio Felix da Costa. I don't know. Da Costa was surprisingly off the boil this year. Really uh, inconsistent. It's, there were weekends where he was incredible and weekends where he was nowhere, with seemingly no rhyme or reason to it. Um, but more than that, like the factory team, and this this, this, this is going to go for their uh, their endurance racing endeavors as well. Where is the operational excellence of Porsche's factory teams from the middle of last decade? Because they were a train wreck operationally this year. I can tell you where part of that is, and that's currently working with uh, the the Sauber group. I'm not just talking about LMP1, though. No. Because uh, I do love me some Andreas Seidel. It's, it's, they threw so many points away this year. And they haven't really got an excuse because their customer team and Andretti proved that they had all the tools to be able to succeed. Pascal Verline was getting bounced in the first, like first or second round of qualifying, pretty much every weekend. And Dennis was going deeper in the duels as the season got on. He was getting front rows. Yeah, the powertrain was not the problem. In the right hands, it was fast over a lap. It, it, it was. It was. It's. It's. Uh, I do not understand how Verline and to a degree De Costa as well was so like middle of the road in qualifying trim i just i just didn't understand that middle of the road is charitable they they were awful in qualifying and like you can rely on your race pace to a point but and it's better to have good race pace than qualifying pace at the end of the day but if you're starting from at best at times 15th you you don't have enough pace in hand on everyone else to go try and cut through the field you're going to burn too much energy to do so because we saw all year Porsche's energy usage was incredible. Yeah. Um, they And they could do it while maintaining speed. 
But if you burn that to get through the field, you just end up the same as everyone else. How many mm. times did we see in the middle of the season Pascal Verlein gain maybe two or three spots in the race, but also be a percentage or two down on his on his powertrain with about ten laps to go? Yeah, and at the same uh, and to the same token, like in the first few races, we'd see him get a clean run, and the, the Porsches would be a couple of percentage better than everyone else. Right. And Dennis would maintain most of that advantage against pretty much everyone but Jaguar for the whole season. Well, again, I, I can sum this up in a, in with a, with a key stat. Jake Dennis won the championship with 229 points. Porsche as a factory team combined 242. Wow. Now, there is some reason for this. Mm hmm. That penalty. Yeah, this. Yeah, we'll talk about Dude. this now. Yeah, because uh, this was quite possibly the biggest. Ha if what the driver in question, Antonio Felix da Costa, said on Twitter is true, and I've got again no reason to disbelieve him, this was a shocking error of judgment. Because this, this, this penalty. There's a full disclaimer. This penalty is currently under review. So you know, there's a, there is a. I just I reckon above zero percent chance to Costa gets his second place reinstated. As it stands, he was given a three minute time penalty at the end of the race for a technical infringement. The technical infringement was his the tire pressure on his on, on one of his tires was too low. Hmm. Now, according to the Costa on Twitter, he said that uh, he had suffered a slow puncture after driving over a piece of debris from earlier on in the race. He was in the middle of a slow puncher. His team at Porsche asked the FIA, is it okay to continue? They, they went for full transparency. They went to the FIA. They said, is it okay to keep going? The FIA allegedly said yes. He was hit with a time penalty anyway. And uh, Porsche was so incensed that they have lodged a formal appeal against that penalty. So, that, again, that will be settled later on down the road to see if uh, that potentially gets overturned or not. But it's if, if, if I speak, I'll be suspended for six months. The game is gone. The game is gone, gone, man. The game's gone. Like, the Costa being hit with a... Like, that took the Costa from second to dead last. Costa That's like a death months. penalty. That's like getting the death penalty for shoplifting, my dude. Which is even worse, given the FIA gave him full consent to keep driving the car. So, like... How does that work? Like, Cammy can't it see doesn't? him. But he's, he's currently shackled right now. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't I, make I'm, any sense. I, I'm, I'm Peter Griffin being restrained in the bed by multiple, uh, multiple staff. And also, did anybody else see in race one that that uh, Stoffel Van Dorn absolutely plowed the ever-loving fuck out of Edo? Out of mighty takedown. That would have been a burnout paradise takedown for the ages. Oh, T-Bone. T-Bone, easy. Like, he, he, it was a T-Bone takedown. Like, Van Dorn completely to, missed to, his To the tune of Girlfriend in my Hunter Mesquite. Oh, 100%. Like, it was a T-Bone takedown to the side of Edo Mortara's car at a good 80 miles an hour because Van Dorn completely missed his breaking point. Drop Motara to the back of the field as a direct result of that. No penalty. What? It didn't even get, I don't even think it got investigated. No, it was shown on 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 the live camera as a. It's actually in the YouTube montage for this race as we speak, and it was not penalized. 
Not even investigated. What? <laughs> what are we doing oh here? Oh my god. You like, know... I, I want I, to praise Scott Elkins, but how do you miss a howler that big? And it's not the only one that got missed. It look, like... Full, full disclosure, we've talked about it on this show before. This was Effie's make or break year regarding mm -hmm. this podcast. Whether we were going to kind of move on from it or keep covering it. Yeah, I've generally uh, liked what I've seen out of Formula E this year. I think there were some it, races where things felt a little silly, but generally speaking, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. But if you want a microcosm of everything wrong with Formula E... This weekend. Effective disqualification of a contending team from the title over a slow puncture and then not even bothering to investigate a takedown. And it's just, it's such a shame because I think Elkins handled the rest of the weekend very well as race director and yet missed a stone dead howler that was replayed on live television. Unacceptable. That's unacceptable race officiated. I'm sorry. It's just like this is like I know we try to bat for people on this show sometimes, but that is a complete howler. Like that that is a, a completely unjustifiable howler. Wrong formulary. Wrong. Do better. Please. Like it's 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 making you guys look like goons. And and they don't deserve it's to be treated you like look, that. It's making you look like less than a world championship. Yeah, it's making you look like goons. There should be like a practice for that. I call it gooning. Don't ever say that in this in in, in on this R podcast. R R RJ, R R RJ, right now, he gave you up. Rick Astley gave you up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some of the silly season moves before we get out of here. Silly well. season. We've got some confirmations coming through. A lot of these have been reported by the race by now already. Um, Sam Smith, one of the best in the business out there, does excellent work in, in, in the Formula E department. Um, we already knew about Nick Cassidy heading to Jaguar. Um, we talked about that a little bit on the show already. In his um, Jag. In his Jag. In a new Jag, a proper Jag. One with the actual badge on it. Um, so they'll be heading over there to head up the All Kiwi Dream Team with Mitch Evans. Um, to replace him, Robin Frines is coming home. He's back. Thank God. Thank God he's out of apt. Apt you... were the apt were the pits this year. If there was a worst of award that we gave out on this show beyond just insane shit, which is what we have the golden cock for, mm. a normal worst of apt and FE would be right up there. And um, bless them, they did actually get a bit better towards the end of the year. They actually ended up with 21 points in the end, even though they had none until the back end of Berlin when they had that 1-2 qualifying performance in the rain, which is still one of the biggest surprises, I think, in all of motorsport this year was when Apt Cooper, out of nowhere, ended up on like locking out the front row in Berlin race two. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Yeah. And after that, they ended up with 21 points in the back half of the year. So, look, I'm actually not going to be as harsh as Cam on this one. It's a team that's genuinely made some progress as the year has gone on. They they had a top six finish in Rome. Like, you know, they, where they had, were they coming from, Dre? Um, 13th, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> look, what, what, what else? 
What happened earlier this year? Oh, yeah, when all four of their cars had to withdraw on safety grounds because their rear suspension is going to hold up. Yeah, that was not fun. No, that wasn't fun. I'm not going to lie. But look, genuinely, I think, this, I think this team is heading in the right direction. And I, I, I see it much worse. No, and look, look, bring in Kelvin Vanderlinde. He was fast. You know, it's even to do a full season. Just, just, for, just for shits and giggles. He's not, not? going to have much else to do. Like, you know, why not? Oh. Like, if, 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 you, if you've lost Freins, which was your headline driver, and look, Nico Miller did a fine job this year. Um, you know, of, of all the full-timers, he was not last. That honor goes to Sergio Sete Camera. Bad luck, son. Oh. Um, but, um, like, Miller was good. Had 15 points on the year. Uh, out, of the, out of the team's 21, Miller genuinely drove pretty well for what he was given um and Fryens, i think was pretty fed up on this Don't project disagree. early on and i think the wrist injury he suffered early on in the year probably didn't help matters either um given how much time he missed as well why is um, volvo cutting off all their station wagons I don't I get don't, that. I don't get it. But you know, friends is a look. Envision bringing bringing friends back, bringing remember friends back back home, and alongside Buemi, if that's what the lineup is going to be, mm. um, is a solid solid team. No that's question. very ironic after the Montreal meltdown. I gotta oh. say, <laughs> <laughs> but that team's gonna be really really fun to watch. Yeah. Um. Good. Good. Um, good um, hype to say that it looks like Oliver Rowland is coming back to Mahindra what? for next season. What? <laughs> what? It just left! On, like, for those who, who've missed it, after Monaco, Oliver Rowland straight up quit the Mahindra team. He said he become disillusioned with where the team was going, asked for an early release from his contract, and it was actually granted by the team. They let him go mid-year. They brought in the man with the magnificent hair, Roberto Mehi, for the back half of the year. Um, he was dreadful um, for the most part, um, but the hair was still great. Uh, uh, great hair. Great, great better hair, luck, better unfortunately, luck. not indicative of pace. Better luck on GT300 this year, Roberto. Yes, sir. Um, but uh, yeah, apparently Oliver Rowland is coming back for next season. <laughs> what? what was that conversation I, like? I, I don't even know, man. Uh, like, I, 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 I know I quit, but um, it, 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 the 3 a.m. you up Formula E edition. Oh, I, I get that all the time. It's, 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 it's fun. Um, I was going to say on top of that as well, like, I hope it works out because Oli Rowland is a genuinely very good Formula E driver. And, like, there is no reason why a team with him and Lucas Degrassi can't kick ass. Yeah, it's like, what was it? Last year he was at Nissan. Like, he was roundly outperforming aforementioned Sebastian Buemi. Yeah. Consistently. Unfortunately, that Mahindra team had one last kick to the groin on the way out because they were in a fight with Neo Triple Free Racing for ninth in the Constructors' Championship. And because... Dan Tictum finished ninth in the final race of the season. The two points put them above Mahindra for ninth in the championship, knocking Mahindra down to 10th by one point. Agony. 42 to 41. That cost Mahindra a good chunk of change. Oh, goodness. This is going to lead to a whole bunch of new Dan Tictum propaganda, isn't it? Well, he did finish out the year going ninth, seventh, ninth. If I have to give ticked him his due to some degree he did finish the year strong he finished ahead of andre lauder in the standings oh. the bar is lower the bar is actually as low as andre lauderer because the bar is andre lauderer hey 
there is also one other thing we we got to talk about. Um, where's Sam Bird heading in all this? Gone out of Jaguar, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, okay, we, do, we are taking. We, somehow, I am not the angriest person on the show at this exact moment. You should frame this. I, he's I, going uh, to McLaren. I, they he's going to him McLaren. Over Rast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rene Rast is committing to his endurance uh, program. Um, BMW. With BMW as well as DTM. He doesn't got the room for three uh, series on the calendar, so he's chosen to drop Formula E um, to focus on his sports car driving. Understandable. So Sam Bird is heading to McLaren, uh, which is uh, fun. Um, so, yeah. Define fun. I, I mean, well, Bird and, and my Jake Hughes, especially at the start of the season, was exceeding like a lot of people's expectations. Like, if they get the powertrain together, could be fire. It's pretty much the biggest question, Marco, because like the McLaren team were actually pretty solid. It's just Nissan's yeah. powertrain is not 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 great over a race distance. It is decent over a lap. Remember, they maintained the most of the championship winning structure from when they won the teams, t- the teams and, and drivers' title two years ago. Like it's a good, it's a great operational outfit with proven success. Um, they just need a good powertrain, and Nissan was not that this year. So, um, look on driver quality, might be a slight upgrade because Rast was not great this year. He was far not as usual, the- great self. Like he didn't score a point off the Brazil, RJ. <laughs> yeah, he was he was genuinely terrible. Like, mm. and I love me some Rene Ras, but he was not good this year. Yeah, he was he was beaten straight up by by Jake Hughes, his teammate, by eight points over the course of the year. So he's like, I'm just delighted that Sam Bird can't ruin Mitch Evans' time anymore, and I'll be back. No, no, you Ooh. say that now, but we're gonna have a papaya missile into the side of a Jaguar next year. Look. Uh, in the words of the office, I you better believe that, uh, no question about it, I am ready to get hurt again because in season 10, <laughs> oh, baby, do you know what he's worth? Mitch Evans is the best on earth. <laughs> you make it, make it happen, boys. This is the part where I turn the United Kingdom into a crater. <laughs> Hey, listen, do you know how many British people would, would kill for that? No kidding. <laughs> Including me. And I live here. Very good. It's that line from DBZ a bridge where he goes, oh my God, he's going to blow the planet. But I live here. Uh, <laughs> when Vegeta's yeah, charging mean, up his final flash. <sighs> I, I think we can all learn from this year in FE. Um... A preseason is truly worthless. Yes. Um, n- never Oof. bet on. Uh, never bet on the Stellantis group on any never. circumstance. Yeah. Until um, you bring back, the, unless you bring back the Dodge Viper Stellantis, don't 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 call us again. No. If if, it, if, if I want a quick reminder of our of our preseason picks because it was a long time ago back in January. Yeah. Um, I picked Maserati. Like me and Cam both picked Maserati for the team's title. RJ picked DS Penske and Sasha picked Jaguar. Sasha, by a mile, was closest. Um, <laughs> I had no faith in Porsche. Zero. Like, it's amazing. I am the Mitch Evans stand, and I did not pick him or his team to win either title. And we bought preseason rumors. Whoops. We've collectively failed as a podcast. 
collectively. And I, in terms I've collectively failed. I should have stuck to my guns with my Red Bull prediction. And uh, I'd like to gracefully hand the formidary golden cock of worst predictor to our friend and yours, RJ O'Connell, for picking Stoffel Van Dorn, the man who eventually finished 11th in the Drivers' Championship this year. Hold on, RJ. <laughs> Wait, was he, was he below Maxi Gunter? I believe he was. I, I'm not, I'm just, he was, but Gunther was 7th. Yo! Yo! Let's fucking go! Well, I was only slightly less wrong than my cohorts. <laughs> well, well, uh, I just I got one more thing, but uh, yeah, just take this home while we're uh, while we're winding this down because I got yeah. I got to wrap something here. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, RJ's gone off in the new uh, in his new house to collect He's, something. We've actually but... mailed him the golden cock. Yeah, it's 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 we send it via FedEx. So, yeah, it's very efficient. Um, but uh, yeah, for, for, if you want full clarification, um, for teams, I picked Maserati, as did Cam. RJ picked the S Penske. Sasha picked Jaguar. So again, Sasha destroyed us. For drivers, Miles. Um, I picked Jeff. He was fifth. Not bad. Uh, Cam picked Maxi Gunther. He was seventh. Uh, Sasha chose uh, Mitch Evans in third. Again by a mile the best of the picks and uh, RJ Cho Stoffel ended up 11th overall in the end so uh, we uh, we collectively were dreadful uh, well done Sasha uh, you, 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 you could take we've the we've all more... been destroyed by our super sub yeah we've been destroyed by the part timer so well done us um, yeah. well, well, well played um, we did great on this one um, so uh, yeah uh, some closing thoughts on the year everybody in Formula E uh, uh, another very competitive season. Um, I've, I, I've look. Gen three started off in a weird place. Very. As long as long as they like sort out the braking issues of these cars, I think that there is the potential for this to get better and better. I like that some OEMs are committing to stick around with this, uh, which is always good because again we were worried that they we're going to lose all of them, and then what happens after that we don't know. Um, cars are getting faster. Don't know what they do about the tracks. Um, I would love to see them stick to their street racing roots because Formula E can, ra can race in places that no other cars can. And I'd love to see more of that. But most importantly, um, Jake Dennis, fantastic champion. Great to see that. Really have a whole lot to add there. Um, yeah, I think RJ summed it up pretty well for, for me. I mean, for me personally, I think for the most part, the racing I think was genuinely great this year, and I, and I say that with full sincerity. Like, there is a guaranteed race of the year candidate in in the Motorsport One Hundred and One Awards later this year for Cape Town, which was an incredible race with an incredible ending and one of the passes of the year from Antonio Felix da Costa um, to win that race. Like, this series at its best is still as captivating as any in motorsports, um, without question. I do have some concerns about the direction of said series in terms of tracks, in terms of are they going to keep racing on street circuits or are they going to start leaning more towards tradition? Like, because like, I still see weekends like Jakarta where I go, this is very much like a traditional track and it was a horrible weekend where virtually nothing happened. Um, so I, I have concerns about that. Um, I'm glad that, you know, I'm very glad when we've not lost Porsche, because if we'd lost Porsche, I think this series would be in genuine trouble in terms of powertrains and support, because 
let, we're not going to hide or mince our words here. It was awful for the series. A string of manufacturers bailed um, when we all know the future of automotive and this is electric vehicles. Um, or at least that's certainly the way it's go, It's heading in the next decade. So for a bunch of manufacturers to pull out of this sport was was very bad. We were genuinely uncertain about Porsche's future at the start of the year. We're glad they're staying. Uh, and I hope the commitment to all of the teams in Formula E stays for at least this generation. Um, and look, I'm going to be real with you. We might not be covering this series next year because we, we, we already do a lot on this show as is. A lot of specials, a lot of mainline series as it is. But it's not because we don't like Formula E. It's, and, and it's we've all spoken about the potential this series can have. I just... I don't want to keep kicking this can down the road year on year, talking about how good it could be and not quite delivering on 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 that. Um, and it is still a messy bitch of a series, even though I love it. Um, so I, 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 I cross my fingers and say I hope the future is bright for, for Formula E. This was, a, a for me, a good season. It was captivating all the way through. We had multiple contenders from, from four different teams all contending for the championship. Um, Pretty went, much every other major championship would bite your arm off for just one other team in the fight right yeah. now. Yeah, right. Yeah, right now we're looking at situation where the other three mainline series we cover, MotoGP is the least dead, um, which is crazy given that Formula One is already <laughs> dead and IndyCar is probably dead um, with five races to go, which that's IndyCar. That never happens. Um, and yeah, MotoGP, Banyaya is now just starting to turn the screw in that title battle. Um, so Formula, like a lot of a series would kill to have the competitive balance that Formula E has right now. That's not the issue with the series. It's the way this place is organized. It's it's sketchy future, and the way its development continues is going to define what Formula E does in its, well, I'd say, difficult third album phase. Yeah. Does that sum about, about it up well? No, I agree. I, I would love to continue to cover this series. I mean, depends on what time we got. I would personally love to do it, but hopefully we'll see, we'll see, you, next, we'll see you next season. Uh, we'll still keep eyes on either way because, like, yeah. absolutely, it, it's, 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 it's still worth watching. It's a good series. It's yeah. a very good series when it wants to be. I just wish it was more often, but you know, we'll see how we go for time because we're all busy people. We're all full time, and if I'm being completely real with you, you guys seem to listen more to the other free series we cover. So, hey, not that I blame you. They all they're all great series in their own way. And look, MotoGP needs all the help it can get right now. Like, like, like. like like all we of them all of them all need help like the only mm. series that is like it's like competitive and it's the norm right now is like fucking nascar are, are you suggesting that we should pivot to being a nascar podcast if if the cup series puts together another season like it's having this year maybe We'll have to wait oh and my, see. Oh my god, that's just gonna mean we have to do weekly uploads every week. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> thirty-six that. uploads. Oh. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But uh, 
thanks for listening in for our Formula E coverage over the course of Season 9. It's been very fun. I promise we'll get Sasha on for a lot more, um, regardless of what series he's on uh, for Season 10. Um, and look, I'll probably, if we can get Sasha on more often, I'll almost certainly be back for Season 10 because he'll be a fantastic asset to bring to the yeah. table. Um, so, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll upgrade it to probable for next season. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep, keep, keep your eyes peeled on that. Game time decision. Game time decision. But until next time, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connor and Cam Buckley. We'll be back for MotoGP's British Grand Prix next weekend. And IndyCar in Nashville, because speaking of messy bitches, it's IndyCar in Nashville. Oh, God. Have fun with that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, uh, until then, sayonara. Later, y'all. Only coming back if Pascal learns how to qualify the fucking car.